You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. Romans chapter 8 this morning as we have been doing now for some time we're going through the book of Romans it's been a delight I have enjoyed it thoroughly it's coming to some of the most exciting deep misunderstood ignored verses in all of the Bible but we're not going to ignore them okay I have been excited this whole time to get to these verses. I'll just tell you that. I love these subjects. I love them because they have been ignored. They have been misunderstood. And I'm glad to stand up and announce and proclaim the work of God the Father and not ignore it. The work of God the Father in the salvation of souls and also in the security of the lives of those whom He has chosen. Now let's read together the scriptures. Stand with me if you would and let's read verse 28. Because that is the subject of these verses. Verse 28. Or is it the object? I don't know. Anyway, it's what the rest of them are explaining. Now look at verse 28. And we know. Say that with me. And we know. Do you? That all things... All things, ponta, all things work together for good. That's the Greek word for that phrase. For good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, what's the next word? For, or maybe in your Bible it's because. Because. Now, that, what does that mean? That means he's fixing to explain to you why we can believe verse 28. Hallelujah. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. See, God said it, I didn't. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he justified. Whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. These are things to shout about. Run and shout and fall on your face about. Amen. So uh, we're going to study them. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, add the blessings. Give us souls to the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Now, last week we talked about foreknowledge and what that means. And, uh, and if you want to know about that, again, go to your podcast app and look up from the pulpit of Antioch East Baptist Church and it'll be on there. All right? So we talked about it, but this is what foreknowledge means, a predetermined relationship. It is not a foreseen faith that God knew before time what you would do, therefore he made his decisions accordingly. That just doesn't make sense. That's not what the Bible teaches. But what the Bible does teach is that he does all things. He elects, he predestines because of the purpose of his own will. 
and for the praise of his glory. All right? So, good look at that. Now, the second reason we know that verse 28, we know verse 28 can be true is predestination. Predestination. Now, the meaning of predestination is very simple. It means to mark out, to appoint, to determine beforehand. Predetermination. That's what it means. That's what God said. And we've got to see what he means. But I want to tell you something. I've got to recognize that the word and the subject of predestination... Uh, does cause some consternation because some consider that election, that is God choosing, unconditional election, God choosing those that will be saved and predestination to be the same thing. And they're not the same thing. Uh, and, but they are closely related, but election is a decree of God to save his elect from eternity past and predestination is the road that gets us there. It is the mobilization of God's choice through time. God planned and purposed everything before time began, then he created. He created Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve had Seth, and Seth had his descendants, and on through his descendants came Abraham, and from Abraham came, uh, came others, and came David and Solomon, and on down the line, and from that came the seed that saved us all, Jesus Christ. And Jesus came, and he founded a church, and that church, when he left this earth, scattered abroad to, to preach the gospel to those and say, whoever will may come, and that's the truth. And God saves those that come to him by faith. And Paul went into to the nations and over close to Europe and to our ancestors, and our ancestors heard the gospel, and they started preaching the gospel, and it spread, and God recovered the gospel during the, uh, it was always there, God always had a remnant, but the, the reformers recovered the true gospel of salvation by grace and faith in Christ alone, and they preached it to our ancestors. Ancestors. Our ancestors came over here to the shores of America. They started churches. They preached the gospel. And on down through time, they moved west. And somebody, somewhere, about 1840s, 1850s, moved to Calhoun, Arkansas. And in 1850, they established a church. And they began to preach the gospel. And now, for 171 years, this church has been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I tell you, I want to dance about it. How many of you have been saved? <laughs> How many of you have been saved because of the ministry of Antioch East Baptist Church? Raise your hand and raise your eye. God predestined this church to be birthed to bring you the gospel. Hallelujah. Now, this doctrine is a doctrine that some, for some, causes consternation. Scares them for some reason. They'd rather we skip over it like a lot of preachers do. Mention it and go by. They will not take time. He, he's not saying amen, we ought to do that. He's saying amen, some of them do that. They will not take time to understand it. Now you listen to my next statement and I'm not taking it back. This is blasphemy. To ignore the word of God. And I realize that this subject causes some people to get all upset. I preached, actually I didn't preach, I, I talked about the subject of election one Sunday and I read every verse in the New Testament. It took me 20 minutes to read every verse in the New Testament that mentioned the word elect and predestined. 
That's all I did. I didn't say what I believed about it. I didn't say, I said, these are the things we're going to talk about. We got to talk about them. And tonight you come back, we're going to talk about them. And a man came through. He was all mad and red in the face. And he said, I don't believe in that election mess. And I said, sir, I, all I did was read the verses. They're in the verses. And this is what he told me. You read them wrong. You just read them wrong. <laughs> That's how much people hate these subjects. And why? It is God that said it is God the Father's work. Can you imagine standing before God the Father one day and him saying, why did you ignore what I did to get you here? Well, anyway, it is blasphemous to ignore this. And an insult to God the Father's whose work these things are. John Calvin said, whoever, when he heaps hatred upon the doctrine of predestination, openly reproaches God as if he, that is God, had unadvisedly let slip something that was hurtful to the church. Again, I remind you, it is God that said that we're predestined. It is God that said we're elect. It is God that has said that we are called. S. Lewis Johnson on top of that said, Can you imagine the Holy Spirit letting the doctrine of predestination and election slip and allowing the writers of Holy Scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament to mention it even though it's going to be very hurtful to the people of God? No. No. We must unfold what has been revealed. The secrets belong unto the Lord, but the things that have been revealed belong unto us and to his children. We not only may preach them, we must preach them. And all these preachers jumping and hollering about how they preach the whole counsel of God and yet ignore this and that. And usually because they're afraid people might get mad at them. So forget all that. Let's see, what does the Bible mean when it says that you and I that have trusted in Christ have been predestined? Are y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? Four things the Bible tells us that we are predestined for. Number one, he says right here in our text, we're predestined to be made like Christ. <laughs> now, if you want to ignore that, there's something wrong with your brain. He said to be conformed. Look at it, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's salvation, but it's even after salvation. He saved us to make us like Christ, to, to bring us to heaven, to make us like Christ, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be, that is, that Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren. That Christ died for our sin. He became our elder brother. And we are going to be like him. That's what God has predestined us for. Now I want to ask you something. If God has predestinated something, do you think it will fail? Answer me out loud. Do you think it will fail? Of course not it won't. This is the ultimate goal of every Christian. That's what we want. We want to be holy. We want to be righteous. We want to be sinless. We want a glorified spirit. We want a glorified physical body. But I've got better news for you. God wants it more than you do. As a matter of fact, he intends that you will reach that goal. And you know, he never fails. So the first thing is we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Number two, we have been predestined to eternal life. 
Acts 13, 48. And by the way, I encourage you, please take notes. There's a note page on the back of your bulletin. You can take notes. Acts 13, 48. Now when the Gentiles, Paul and Peter and all of them were preaching, and the Gentiles heard the gospel, and they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Did y'all know that verse is in the Bible? I guarantee you not a one of you ever heard a sermon on that verse. As many as were appointed to eternal life believe. What is this? Well, it's predestination. Appointed. Predestination. Election. And what are we predestined for? What are we elect for? Eternal life. This is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. And can you believe that people hear those verses and these verses and still teach that you can lose your salvation? How can you lose eternal life? You can't. Do you know what the word eternal means, by the way? We think of eternal, we think of all the future. But actually the word means always was, always will be. That's what the word means. Now, I was born July the 16th, 1967. I'm in my late 40s. I'm 54, my very late 40s. My physical life began, my spiritual life began, but my friend, my salvation began before the worlds were framed, the Bible says. So I've always been saved in the mind of Christ. Well, let's go on. I'll prove that here in a minute. To adoption, we have number three, or let me see, A, to make us like Christ, B, to eternal life, and C, to adoption. God predestined that we would be made his children. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Uh, Ephesians 1, 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to what? The good pleasure of his will. Not some foreseen faith or some foreseen knowledge that he had. No, he did it because of his own will. Why did he save a rugrat like me? A sinner. Listen, you're looking at a preacher and you think, oh, he's the holy man. Ah, no, that's not true. You know that's not true. My wife will tell you it's not true. My mother will. I am a sinner just like you are. And my greatest fear is your greatest fear, that someone's going to find out about those secret things. But I've asked God to forgive me, and I've repented, and I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. And in spite of that, my friend... It's not what he saw in me. It's what he saw in himself and what he wanted to do himself. God has made me his child. <laughs> Ooh. Then the last thing that we know that the Bible says we've been predestined for, in particular, he predestines everything, but in particular for us, he has predestined to bring him glory. He's predestined that you and I would be to his praise and his glory. Ephesians 1 11, again and 12. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to what? The counsel of his own will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. One day we're going to be jewels in, in his, uh, his kingdom. 
And I hear this all the time that when someone dies that God needed another flower in his garden. I don't see that in scripture, but hey, that's good. If it gives God praise and glory, let, let them bloom. Amen? Let them bloom. But he does say that we're jewels. He does say that we're his treasure. He does say that we will shine to the praise of his glory. We will share in his glory, but make no mistake about it. When his glory is shining through you and in you, it is his glory. Not one pat on the back. Not one congratulatory word can go to us as Jonah declared salvation is of the Lord. And we have been predestined to bring him glory. Now, how do we know that all things, listen now, here we go back, all things work together for good to those who love God. How do we know that? Because God has predetermined it to be so. I'm hoping to get all this in today. I may not, but we'll see. Now, that's number two. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to his son, that he might, that we might, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now look at verse uh, thirty. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Sweetly, Lord, have we heard thee calling? Come, follow me, and we see where his footprints falling lead us to thee. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway grow. We will follow the steps of Jesus wherever they go. It's a sweet call. It's a specific call. It is not the same call as the general call to all men. I'm telling you, every person in this room today, if you will call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you come to him by faith. And I give that invitation. The Bible gives that invitation. God gives that invitation. But we know that men will not come to him. And God comes down and he gives a specific call to his elect. Now, that's big words. How do I prove that? Well, this is a specific call to those who are foreknown and to those who are predestined. Right? Isn't that what it said? Those Now, number one, those who are called... Now listen to me. Look look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called. And whom he called, these he what? Justified, saved. That means to declare not guilty. Now I want to ask you something. Is every man, boy, and girl that has ever been born and ever lived right now, are they all justified? No. So what does this mean? This means this is a select, special Group that God has laid his love upon. It is what, what uh, uh, the, the uh, theologians call the effectual call. Because this call, now listen, always gets its intended result. Hallelujah. Those who are called are justified. And we know that not everyone's justified. So that tells us this is not the general call to salvation. This is a specific call to those who will be saved. 1 Corinthians 1.26. Listen to this. For you see your what? Calling. You see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. Now that last phrase, are called, is added for clarification, but that's exactly what he means. For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the weak things of the world. And he goes on and talks about that. 
Now, what does that mean? That means that there are some noble, there are some uh, wise, there are some mighty that have not been called. Matter of fact, he says not many of them. Not many of them. That's God's purpose. I don't know why he chooses that. Let me tell you something. He didn't choose the smartest. He didn't choose the wisest. He didn't choose the, 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 the best, probably the most religious. When he came to earth, he called tax collectors and he called rough old fishermen. We know that they weren't moral because we'd see them on their boats and they would strip themselves naked and go out and fish. Who does that besides a couple of us in here? Nobody does that. <laughs> Nobody does that. They were just like you think of an old fisherman. And I'll tell you one thing, they weren't educated. And people saw when they got around Jesus and God taught them, they said, these men are un untrained fishermen. How can they talk like this? How do they know these things? Because it is a work of God, not a work of man. So he, he said, you see your calling, brethren, not many wise. What does that tell us? That not everybody gets this call. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. That word holy is also the word uh, uh, um, sanctification. Sanctify. It means to set apart, to be set apart. So it's a, set apart, it's, a, it's a calling that sets us apart, not according to our works, but according to what? His own purpose and his unmerited favor, grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus when? Before time began. Yeah. This is a specific special calling. There's no way to deny it. You cannot. You have got to be willfully ignorant to deny that this is true what I'm saying now election and calling are opposite ends of your salvation okay election is basically the same as foreknowledge and it happens in eternity past before time began election happens in eternity past let me read Ephesians 1 4 just as he chose us in him when before the foundation of the world now whatever you believe about election okay we're not getting into that today but whatever you believe about it y'all know understand what I, but, but it happened before time again 2 Timothy 1 2 and has saved us and called us when and given us in Christ Jesus when before time began Titus 1 1 look at this verse Titus 1 1 Paul a bondservant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before time began. God said, my ways are higher than your ways. Amen. Before he promised eternal life. He promised these things before time again. Ephesians, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Man, it's as plain as the nose on your face. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning, what beginning? I don't know, the beginning, just the beginning, whatever it is. From the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. So God's electing purposes, whatever you believe about them, there's no fuss about that this morning, happened in eternity past. But effectual calling happens in time present, leading to regeneration. 
Did you hear that? I didn't put these on. I should have put these on the board. But election happens in eternal past. And number two, effectual calling happens in time present leading to regeneration. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, we read that. Uh, the saved, uh, it says, uh, Give thanks to God always, you brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation, the safety of the Spirit, and believe in the truth. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get to my next verse. Verse 14, to which he called you by our gospel. Did you hear that? By which he called you in time. God looked down through time and, and well, he didn't look down through time or nothing. He knew in eternity past he was going to save Ron Owen. And March 3rd, 1976, the Holy Spirit of God called to me, opened my eyes, opened my ears, opened my heart, opened my mind to understanding. And I called on the name of the Lord and I was saved. That happened in time. And all of God's work before I called on his name, calling is the last thing that happens. It is regeneration. It is regeneration. We can trust Romans 8, 28 because it is God who calls. It is God who opens eyes. It is God who opens the ears to hear and, and, the, and the mind to understand and the heart to love. Amen. We were dead like Lazarus. We were bound like Lazarus. We were called like Lazarus and we were made alive like Lazarus. Revelation 17, 14, these all will make war with the land. These are his enemies at the, Armageddon, the last battle or the battle of Armageddon, whichever it is. Whatever battle the Lord's winning, and you know that. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. And he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Amen. Called, chosen. I didn't say it. God said it. You've got to love it. You've got to appreciate it. You've got to understand it. It is God's work in your salvation. The Father, God the Father. Okay, I'm going on. Are you all ready? This is good stuff. This is the gospel. Justification. The next thing is the reason that we can know that Romans 8, 28 is true is because of justification. Do you know what justification means? It means being declared not guilty. Now, I just preached on this the last few times, and, and for those who are visiting with us, let me just real quickly tell you, the word justification is salvation. You're justified. You're born again by God declaring you not guilty on the day you call on his name for salvation. And when you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me my sins, and take me to heaven when I die. That's the prayer I prayed as a little kid. And you call out to him to forgive your sins. At that minute, God in the courts of heaven looks down and calls your name and stamps to telestai on your guilt because you were guilty. And the word to telestai says... Paid in full. That's what it means. Christ wipes away your debt through his blood. And God stands and declares you are not guilty. You are righteous. And another reason that you can't lose this salvation is salvation is righteousness. And the righteousness you're getting to heaven on is Jesus' righteousness, not yours. I'm about to have a spell. justification. 
It is God. As a matter of fact, he'll say that in a minute. Look, look down. Keep reading. Moreover, whom he predestines. This is verse, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, he can be against us. That's what he's doing. He's taking a long time to say that one verse. Verse 29 and 30 is verse 31. In a, in, in, uh, verse 31 is verses 29 and 30 in a capsule. What then should we say to these things if God is for us? And who did not, he didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up. Look at verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God elect? It is God who justifies. Hallelujah. God would declare you not guilty if you'll come to him today by faith. Well, what about all that stuff you're talking about? Calling, election. Do you want to be saved? Yes, I want my sins forgiven. I want to turn from my sin and turn to God. You know why? Because God's calling you this morning. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord, hearing that call, shall be saved. Come to Jesus. And all these things, yes, they're good to understand. Really, they're better to understand after you're saved. It's supposed to make you happy. Some of you, it's put you to sleep. I see that. But it's supposed to make you happy. It's supposed to make you joyful and worship God. But don't worry about it right now. If you don't know Jesus, all you need to worry about is if you call on the name of the Lord, you are elect. You are called, and you are justified. And you can worry about that other stuff later. Uh, and then the last thing is this. Got to get it in. I'm almost finished, I promise. 15 minutes. Glorification. And whom he foreknew, he did predestinate. And whom he predestinate, these he called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, I want you to know that that word means made like Christ in a very specific, big way. Okay? Big way. Heaven. That's what it's talking about. Heaven. Heaven. But notice this. It's in the past tense. How can God talk about us being glorified in heaven in the past tense? Because he's God. And when God says it's going to happen, it might as well have already happened. Now, let me read you a verse. This is John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Now listen, I have overcome the world. Now, how many of you have watched the news this week? How many of you listen to everything going on in the world? How many of you say, boy, it sure looks like God is overcoming the world? It's hard to say when you're looking at it on the surface, isn't it? But my friend, when you're looking at it from an infinity and from God's perspective, it's all going along as planned. As planned. And God says, don't worry about the things. Even your death, even your persecution, and, and, and we must go through these things. Anybody that lives godly will suffer persecution, the Bible says. And we must go through these things. And this is a momentary light of affliction that does not compare to the glory that will be revealed in us in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Think about it. Now listen, you, you're from Calhoun. You don't know what persecution is. I'm from, I'm from Arkansas, the Bible Belt. I haven't suffered much persecution other than slam doors in my face. But I've had to live this life. I've got the aches and the pains and all the other things that go along with it. And I have suffered disappointment, believe me. I have suffered disappointment. And we've gone through trials and troubles. Thank God we didn't have to do it in Afghanistan. Yeah. 
My mother used to tell me, I used to complain about the holes in my shoes till I saw a man who had no feet. But I, whatever it is, whatever he calls us to suffer, we ought to suffer it gladly. Because one day, we're going to die. Or Jesus is going to come again. And immediately, the Bible says that the last, at the last trump will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. Changed. Glorified. And although that hasn't happened yet, it might as well have because, my friend, if God said it, if God predestinated it, if God called it, it shall come to pass. Don't talk like this. One day I'm going to have a home in heaven. No, talk like this. I have a home in heaven. I have a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Way beyond the blue. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Hallelujah. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Hallelujah. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Way beyond the blue. Now for y'all not singing out with me, I ought to make you stand up and do Father Abraham. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got to wrap this up. John 16, and all these things, your destination for heaven is so sure the Bible speaks of it as already having happened. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And, and, and the old King James says mansions, and, and, uh, and uh, it really means dwelling places. Actually, what it means is rooms in the Father's house, so it's a mansion. It's a mansion. Go ahead and say it. I've gone and prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. It might as well have already happened, because God promised it. Conclusion. We noted that there are five things. Here we go, Riley. We noted there are five things here that assures us that verse 28 can be true. But in reality, there is really only one thing that assures us that verse 28 is true. Verse 29 says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Moreover, verse 30 says, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. He, but God, but God. Now, listen, we may get to heaven and I find out that I, I'm not much right on the issue of election. Maybe so. I'm willing to say I'm wrong, but I'll tell you one thing. I don't think it's all that bad to be wrong on my side because all my side does different than your side is gives God more glory for salvation. Gives him more glory, gives him more blame for it. No pats on the back. No glorying in my smarts or merit. God alone saves. Therefore, I can say all things work together for good to those, to me, because I love God and I've been called according to his purpose. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus 
The New American Standard Bible puts it this way, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him to them gave you the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Ephesians 2, 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses sin made us alive together with Christ. I'm going to skip down to verse 8, Riley. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now listen, and that faith, I'm adding that so to clarify, and that faith is not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Even your faith is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If any part of your salvation is something you think you can boast in, you don't got it right. I mean, you're saved, but you don't understand it. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared when? Beforehand. When's that? I don't know, beforehand, that we should walk in them. This chain of salvation is what prompted Paul to break forth in joy in verses 31 through 39, and we're fixing to study those. It should cause you to break forth in praise also. It shouldn't cause you to worry or fear or, or, or whatever. Maybe you don't understand it all, but it ought to say, praise God, he saved me. I don't know why he saved me. And pray that God will save more and bring more in and be a witness these are very important words. These words in these verses are very important. Foreknowledge is important. Predestination is necessary. Effectual call. Go back to that last one there, Riley. Let me tell you, predestination is necessary. Effectual calling needs to be understood. Justification is imperative. Glorification is paramount. But the word to be noticed above all else is he, he, he. Praise God. And let's all shout as Jonah did salvation is of the Lord.